Hi everyone and welcome to the latest Pendleton in 10 with me, David Brooks, and my colleague Simon Q from Broadstone. This week we talk about breaking news of a deal at Clara. Um, we summarise lots of things happening in the world of uh, defined contribution saving. We look at a pension ombudsman case um, around transfers and also questions in the house. Okay, Simon, so first up, we're going to look at something we've all been waiting for for a long time, and this is the first Clara deal. Absolutely, Dave. If we had the budget for music on our, our little video cast <laughs> here, uh, I think it'd be time for Fiesta by the Pogues. Clara have indeed signed their first deal. Uh, it's been given clearance by the pensions regulator. It's the Sears Retail Pension Scheme, 9,600 members, uh, which I think is a, a really positive move. We, we often cry out for innovation in the pension sector. This is clearly an innovation. Uh, it's good that it's uh, it's got its first deal over the line. The the long promised first deal uh, is finally over the line. So I think it's a good good thing. Uh, there is another option now out there, a very viable option for uh, a sliver of pension schemes that uh, are unlikely to reach buyout within five years, uh, but do want to to find a little bit a uh, little bit more security for their members. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same. I think this is this is great news. Um, so the way Clara works is they'll put in an extra. 30 million towards that, towards the, the deal. And so that's good news again for the member security. So there's immediately more assets there for the members. And the target being take it to buyout. So this isn't a one and done. They're not left here for, for, for a long period of time. They'll go to an insurance company buyout in the future. And yeah, let's hope there's more people now that, that see that as being a, a good thing. The, the path has been trodden. It's always the first person. So well done Sears trustees for, for taking the plunge and, and doing that. Well done to the regulator for getting it over the line. I think that's good. Hopefully we can do more deals in the future. Well, Dave, there's been a bit more focus on DC recently. Would you like to give us a bit of a run through what you've seen? Yeah, so this might be one of my sort of splurges of consciousness into what's happening on in the world of DC, but it's pleasing to see some focus on, on DC. Um, but in, in some, well, some of this stuff is more constructive than, than others, but I still think it's good. This conversation keeps happening around defined contribution benefits. Um, so the first one I'll just pick out is PIC, who have said that um, DC, defined contribution, needs a rebrand. We need to think of a new name to, um, to talk about it. Whether that's really useful, I'm not sure. I mean, we've talked about this before. This is one of those things that comes around and around about the naming, whether that really helps or not. Um, it's one of the reasons that the NAPF became the PLSA, so the Pension Lifetime Savings Association, in recognition of the fact that pensions are changing since 2015. But okay, part of the conversation, that's helpful. Um, the PPI, the Pensions Policy Institute, have done another excellent report on looking at how DC works in other countries and what lessons can be learned from there for the UK. So they go through lots of different countries, looking at what they do, how they help members when they come to retirement. Um, and the different focuses they have, they pull out little recommendations um, for the UK. So that's well worth a read um, if you want to look at that. Um, there's some things in there, for instance, just changing the, the focus, like in the Netherlands, they, they put the focus more on income over lump sums, and whether that helps people secure long-term security rather than short-term spending, things like that. I think it's really interesting. We should learn from, from other people um, around the world. Um, in relation to some of the ongoing consultations, we've also had some output from People's Partnership who are talking about how providers should have one single pot for all members who happen to be um, in their master trust. So what happens is 
you know, employer A puts you in a master trust, which happens to be, I don't know, Nest. Um, and then uh, and then you leave that company and you go work for somebody else and you get put in Nest by somebody else. It's possible you'd have two pots, but really those pots should be together in a single solution. And that's been mentioned in some of the consultations. Um, there are red flags and issues around that apparently for the providers, but I don't think um, that they're insurmountable and they should be uh, resolved. So that's a, a good idea. And the regulator has also been talking more about DC. Um, and they're going to hold some roundtables uh, next year with, the, with regards to helping the conversation around decumulation. And they've produced five principles around what these things should be um, focused on to ensure that the best outcomes for, for members as they take their DC pots um, into retirement. I think, again, I, I said at the top, I think this is good. And I think this is necessary because we are now reaching that point where more and more people will be hitting retirement with more and more DC um, savings as a proportion of their pension. You know, the defined benefit members, they're all coming to retirement over the next 10, 15 years, but there are loads of people with DC benefits and DC only benefits. And so how they take that should be the focus of so much more of our conversations around pensions. I think it's, it's the number one issue for, for pensions at the moment. Dave, you mentioned at the start there the, the rebrand of DC, mm. which is a topic that comes up frequently. And we shouldn't be using terms like DC, DB, my particular bet noir, decumulation, when we're talking with members. We should be putting it into language that uh, will resonate with the member. What we use within the industry doesn't really matter a fig, does it? Because we should all understand what DC and DB mm. are. And God help us if we don't. Um, but when we're communicating with a member, it should be, as I say, in language that means something to them. So I don't believe that there needs to be a rebrand. I just think there needs to be a focus on how we communicate with members and making sure it's in a way that they can they can properly interact with and understand what's going on. Yeah, I would say I've seen lots of communication over the years where you just feel like the person writing it is trying to demonstrate how clever they are and how technical the pensions are. And those two things are just entirely irrelevant to a member's you know, decision-making process. You know, if you can put it in a way that makes it sound more uh, understandable, then that should be the focus. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Dave, I see that the Pensions Ombudsman is back in the news. Could you take us through the latest case? Yeah, this is another interest, interesting one. Um, so this, for the background, is is all around the um, the regulations that came in a couple of years ago to enable trustees to stop a transfer if they think it's going to a scam and the rule around overseas investments. So if there's an overseas investment in there, then um, the trustees should signpost to um, the money helper service for an appointment for the member. Um, but the rules aren't written very well, and so there's different interpretations you can take. So a member took his pension scheme um, to the ombudsman, saying that the delays had um, inconvenienced him and cost him money for his transfer value reduced during this time. Um, because he was signposted to Money Helper by the um, by the trustees, and the Ombudsman has ruled in favour of the trustees. So a predictable outcome. So some people might think, well, so what? I think this is important because it does solidify the fact that the legal opinion is that any type of overseas investment does count, not just one that's where the, um, the investments are registered overseas. So a global tracker fund with LNG, just picking name off, you know, at random. Um, would count as an overseas um, investment and should mean the member being signposted. Um, so, and I know not all schemes do this. So some schemes do take a more pragmatic position, say, 
that we understand what the rules are saying, but we understand the principle behind them. And that's what the regulators try to do as well. So if you do a transfer in line with the regulators principles, then you're technically not doing it in accordance with the law, but you're taking a risk sort of assessment on that of your own. However, the law is now clearer, you know, so the lawyers have been telling schemes, this is the case. Now the Ombudsman has told schemes, this is the case. And I think that's just worth noting. Now I'm not saying that schemes should change their practice. I think trustees should continue to take their risk-based approach that they're doing at the moment. Um, but this does just put this in black and white, what the position is, and does also, in my opinion, push the government to fix this because it is ludicrous. You know, I, I'm very sympathetic to this member who's been pushed from pillar to post to get their money out of their pension scheme in a legitimate way and been, you know, been held back from doing what they wanted to do. I think that's bad. That's a bad outcome for that individual written caused by bad regulation. So that just needs to be fixed. And finally, Simon, they say that a week is a long time in politics and sometimes a day can be a long time in politics too. Absolutely, Dave. And this is a day that a Labour politician will very much want to pass, uh, but I have a feeling it may follow them around for a little while. Uh, they asked the question of our pensions minister, how many and what proportion of people claiming pension credit were born on or after April 2016? The response was a little longer than I'll, uh, I'll go into, but effectively zero. They are at most seven years old. <laughs> it's a day that I'm sure he will want to forget, but I don't think he'll be able to for a long, long time. I mean, I'm all for getting younger people uh, into, into pensions, but let's get them into the workforce first, I think. <laughs> yeah, one thing after the other, absolutely. <laughs> and on that, Dave, uh, it's time to say goodbye to our viewers for another week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again for all your comments and your support and for your views. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>